it's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. with this voice that I'm using. <laughs> Why? Why this voice? Where's it come from? No one knows. Stupid. We have the waiver wire priorities set. It's on. We're not delaying it. We're not taking extra time. We're not trying to make sure, oh, we get, we get every player covered, right? We're going to meticulously go through it all day. No, we're just, we're going live, man. As soon as I have the plays, we're going live. We're going live. We're wavered. We're wired. Let's go. Priority number one. I know this is going to be shocking to, to all of you. It's so shocking, I know. It's surprising because I've, I've, I've perused other waiver wire advice on the interwebs, and I'm shocked. I was shocked that we all agree. This is such a, what a weird coincidence. I can't believe it. How is it possible that we all like Elijah Mitchell, right? How? How? How is it? Really? Really? We're all on Elijah Mitchell? How did that happen? That's a weird thing. I can't believe it. It's almost like Elijah Mitchell is a more explosive player than Trey Sermon, that he was just better all along, and that he's a better fit for a stretch zone offense, which he ran in college. Louisiana coaches watched 49er film, and I think they may have even visited 49ers practice. So they could implement the stretch zone offense at Louisiana, and that's what Elijah Mitchell was accustomed to. Now, they said that Trey Sermon can run the stretch zone, but that he wouldn't necessarily be asked to run the stretch zone at any point in college. So you just need to make just trust that he can do it. He can. Oh, I know he can do it. Right. You think Urban Meyer is a stretch zone coach. You think so? You think he brought in? Carlos Hyde, you think Carlos Hyde's a good stretch zone player? No. You need to be able to get to the outside, get to the perimeter quickly, put your foot in the ground, and then fearlessly explode upfield. That's what they ask you to do. That's it. That, that's it. That's the requirement. Just trust your blocking and be fearless and explosive. If you're explosive and fearless, you can play in this offense and you can be successful. This is why Shanahan offenses going all the way back to the Broncos with Orlandis Gary and Mike Anderson, just undrafted, 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 all the way back to Terrell Davis, just undrafted late-round picks succeeding in whatever offense a Shanahan is running because they ask the running back to do very little. and But it's a very specific skill set that you need to bring to the table in order to be successful. So the general manager... And the coach need to be on the same page at all times. 
In Denver, they still run that offense, and they drafted Royce Freeman in the third round, and there was a miscommunication between the coaches and the, the front office in that they were like, oh, this guy's a mega producer at Oregon. He has size. He has receiving skills. This is going to be a great running back for us. And the Broncos coaches said, no, actually, we're going to go Phillip Lindsay because he actually has the speed and burst to get to the perimeter and get upfield. And that's exactly what we're seeing now in San Francisco. You take the third round pick and you mothball him in favor of the sixth or seventh rounder undrafted guy. So what you're seeing in Elijah Mitchell is what we saw a few years ago from Philip Lindsay, except that the 49ers offense is just a better offense. It's just better, right? So this is the best case scenario, what I've just laid out. Best case for Elijah Mitchell. Is this what's going to play out? We'll see. We'll see. Trey Sermon's going to be active in week two. And so that's the big question is who starts? If Elijah Mitchell starts, that's an incredible positive signal being beamed out into the world that this is Elijah Mitchell's job. If Trey Sermon starts, then you know what? No big deal, right? You took a shot. This is it. I mean, this is your shot. This is your one opportunity to seize everything you ever wanted in one moment. Are you going to capture it or are you going to let it slip? Because if you went zero RB, this is your shot. You have a one in 12 chance of getting Elijah Mitchell. Hopefully you drafted James White at the end of the draft. If you didn't, you're fucked. You got to get this one guy. Just like last year, it was Mike Davis or bust. If you went zero RB this year, it's Elijah Mitchell because there's just not a lot of running backs available on waiver wires. It's, it's the narrative that the zero RB truthers continue to lie about every single year that there's all these running backs available so don't worry about running back there'll be plenty available you'll be able to stream don't worry about it and you look up after week one and it's Elijah Mitchell or bust and I pray that I drafted James White with my final pick and that's it that's what it comes down to right so Good luck with that strategy. Good luck getting Elijah Mitchell because everybody is telling everybody to go get Elijah Mitchell. So you're competing with your fab bidding against 11 other people. If you're zero RB, you got to go put 80% of your fab down on Elijah Mitchell. Those of us that are comfortable at the running back position, I'm going to put less. I'm going to put like 40% because I want a piece of this offense. This is the offense you want. They are run first, great run blocking offensive line, one of the best in the NFL, and in one of the best divisions to score points. You want to be in either the NFC West or the NFC East. These are where the shootouts are going to happen, just bountiful shootouts week in, week out. So I just want pieces of these offenses. I want pieces of the Rams, the 49ers, the Seahawks, the Eagles, the Cowboys. Yeah! These are the pieces. And, and this is the theme of the waiver Wired show, just get pieces of the right offenses, not necessarily the guy that's starting. You got to look past that, right? So that's the beauty of Elijah Mitchell is he potentially, just on the chance, you you, want to spend up on Elijah Mitchell after week one because just on the chance that he's Phillip Lindsay in a better offense, that would be great. Phillip Lindsay in a better offense is a 15 fantasy points a game running back. That's a guy you absolutely want to push your chips into the middle of the table to get. Absolutely. Beyond Elijah Mitchell, the aforementioned James White, he's available in like 33% of leagues. So most leagues where people are listening to my voice, James White's not available 
I mean, come on. James White should not have ever been undrafted in fantasy football, but there are a few 10-team leagues or less competitive leagues where he's available. If he is, I mean, please, please go get him. Please, because it's the Mac Jones show. And remember, James White averaged 109 targets a season for two years before Cam Newton arrived. And this is what we talk about. The mobile quarterbacks siphon targets away from running backs more than any other position. Cam Newton hurt James White last year, just like Lamar Jackson hurt J.K. Dobbins. There's just going to be fewer targets because a quarterback has the option of either checking it down or running. If you have the run option, sometimes you take the run option in lieu of checking it down. This is this was the case all along for DeAndre Swift, that he has a check down quarterback who's never, ever going to think about running the ball. Jared Goff is immobile, and that's part of the case. That was part of the thesis for DeAndre Swift all offseason. And now most of you in this audience have DeAndre Swift. Congratulations. Some got him in the fourth round. A few got him in the fifth round. Holy shit. Congrats. Just congrats. Pat yourself on the back, everybody. Great work, DeAndre Swift. James White is not DeAndre Swift, but he's going to be playing a similar role. This guy had seven targets in week one. Now, part of that was that the corners for Miami were two of the best, one of the best duos in the league in Byron Jones and Xavier Howard. So the weeks where the cornerbacks aren't so stifling, Mac Jones is going to push the ball more to the perimeter. But, but, he's still going to feed Mac Jones. I mean, look what he did with Najee Harris. I mean, the the case for James White all offseason was uh, Najee Harris committed something close to 50 targets last season at Alabama. This is what... Mac Jones does. He can survey the field and go through his read progressions faster than any other rookie quarterback. That was the case for Mac Jones all along. That the, the reason you want Mac Jones, the reason why Kyle Shanahan was infatuated with Mac Jones, only to get even more infatuated with Trey Lance, was that he's a supercomputer back there, and he just goes boom, 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 boom. That's Mac Jones going through his read progressions, just boom, 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 oh, James White. Boom, 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 boom. Oh, John U. Smith. I think more often than not for the rest of the season, it's going to be boom, boom, Jacoby Myers. Boom, boom, Jacoby Myers. Boom, boom, Jacoby Myers. That's why Jacoby Myers is one of our top trade targets. But on the waiver wire, some of these leagues, James White's still there. Vacuum him up. Get him before Mark Ingram. I'd rather have James White in a PPR league than Mark Ingram. Mark Ingram is a guy you have to go get because this is a better offense than we thought. He's at least going to be somewhat efficient as a runner at least that's the one thing you can say they have good tackle play in Houston so the line is probably their best unit of all the units there in Houston they're all below average but at least the offensive line is the best of the units even though it too is below average and you have Tyrod Taylor freezing linebackers so that will give Mark Ingram a bit wider crease to work with and this will allow him to rush for 70, 80 yards a game, get those touchdowns here and there, seven to nine touchdowns this season. That's very flexible at the very least. It's not not anything I'm excited about because without the targets, without big target volume, David Johnson, Philip Lindsay, they're going to be more active in the passing game. This is a between-the-tackles grinder. The upside is just not there. 
He's an RB3, but those of you that need an RB3 should be going out and, and picking up Mark Ingram and consider starting him in your RB2 slot if you're very weak, very thin at that position, dealing with injuries. Maybe you had Raheem Mostert. This is a player you should go target, but I'm not going to be overspending on Fab on Mark Ingram. All Fab monies should be focused on Elijah Mitchell at running back or James White if he's available, and that's where the spending stops at running back. Sure, Mark Ingram, dabble on him if you need running back help. If not, just ignore him. Just forget it. This is not, not an upside play. This is not a league winner. If he's not active in the passing game, he's going to get you 1,100 yards and seven touchdowns, and when you run the numbers, that's an RB3 in fantasy because in PPR leagues, even half PPR leagues, receptions are such a huge component of the fantasy scoring. Now, beyond Mark Ingram, you might say, oh, what about Carlos Hyde? Fuck Carlos Hyde, man. That's an even worse offense than Houston, and at least Mark Ingram doesn't have competition that you're excited about. James Robinson's good. James Robinson had six targets. James Robinson is being disrespected. He's the Rodney Dangerfield of running backs this season. It's offensive that Carlos Hyde nearly doubled his rushes. I didn't like to see that. I was offended. Maybe, possibly. It's because the game was out of hand. They wanted to keep James Robinson healthy, but I don't think that's what Urban Meyer was thinking. I think Urban Meyer likes Carlos Hyde, but the between-the-tackles grinder on that offense, sharing a backfield with James Robinson, is fucking useless. It is a bag of dicks. Do not pick up Carlos Hyde. He's not worth a roster spot. Jamichael Hasty is, though. See, Jamichael Hasty, he is worth a roster spot because you're not going to start him. He could give you zero fantasy points, but he's that running back in waiting, just like you want to stash Jeff Wilson on your IR. If you have an IR spot and it's empty, pick up Jeff Wilson, put him in it. Because we just want to take shots on this 49ers offense. We've said it before. Kyle Shanahan said it. That he has a different running back every year at the top of the depth chart. In fact, the entire running back depth chart turns over year to year in San Francisco. And he would like to fix it. Trey Sermon was supposed to fix it. But it doesn't look like Trey Sermon's the answer. So they're not going to fix it. So they're just going to churn through these running backs. And knowing that they churn through these running backs. And the reason why they can't simply put anybody back there to run the stretch zone is because it requires courage because you're putting your body in harm's way and you're planting your foot in the ground and you're exploding upfield without even knowing where you're going or what's ahead of you everything is moving at the last minute the window opens and you slide through it and you explode through it but you don't know what's waiting for you on the other side running backs with great vision are nullified by this system, by this scheme. If you have great vision, if you're Le'Veon Bell, stretch zone scheme is going to hurt you because you can't use your best attribute. Whereas just an explosive straight, straight ahead runner like a Tevin Coleman, this is why Kyle Shanahan liked Tevin Coleman in Atlanta, brought him to San Francisco. That's the type of player. He's not a vision guy, right? He's not a contact balance guy. That's not Tevin Coleman. Tevin Coleman sticks his foot in the ground and he slashes forward and what happens, happens, and he suffers a myriad of lower body injuries because, of course, he did. Because that's what happens. You explode through that hole naked, not knowing what's on the other side, and you have a, a defender cutting across, and boom, your legs go out from under you, and sometimes your knee or your ankle goes the wrong direction. That's why they churn through running backs 
so much in that system and why you're going to see Jeff Wilson this year. And I think you're probably going to see, because of that, Jermichael Hasty, based on nothing other than he's a running back on that depth chart who was active on game day in week one. He should be stashed in deeper leagues. If we're going even deeper and we're trying to stash yet more running backs, I would suggest Kenny Gainwell. Kenny Gainwell looks like the singular handcuff to Miles Sanders. I want Kenny Gainwell. I want he's probably owned in most deep leagues and competitive leagues, but I want him, right? I want him because Miles Sanders is the primary back there, but he has had lower body injuries every year. Could be a quad, could be a hamstring, could be a calf, could be an ankle, something. And that would vault Gainwell into the top 10 running back discussion because in this offense with Jalen Hurts freezing linebackers, Yes, the target volume isn't as high as it would be with a, an immobile quarterback, but there's just not a lot of quality receivers in this passing game. It's Devontae Smith, great. Jalen Rager, okay. He was efficient. Dallas Goddard, like it's it's thin. Who's who's after that? Zach Ertz? Right. So there's gonna be activity and opportunity for running backs in this passing game just because it's it's not a deep receiving core. So this is the case for playing a lot of Miles Sanders moving forward. I want Miles Sanders. I'm trying to trade for Miles Sanders. I'm going to be playing more Miles Sanders in DFS. He was so close, this close to smashing. But Kenny Gainwell got the touchdown. This is going to make Kenny Gainwell more expensive when waivers run. But of all the players we talked about, not that excited about anyone other than Elijah Mitchell, James White, and... You just can't forget Kenny Gainwell. Kenny Gainwell is there. Unfortunately, no one's forgetting about Kenny Gainwell because he scored the touchdown. The damn touchdown, right? The damn touchdown. I would be so much more... I would be... The reason I didn't even bring up Gainwell earlier is because I don't think I'm going to get him. Like, the touchdown is just so demoralizing because it just is this bat signal to your league. Like, oh, this guy has potential. Oh, stash this guy. He scored a touchdown, right? When that's really not what matters. What matters is that he was a mega producer at Memphis when Antonio Gibson and Tony Pollard were at Memphis. Guess what? Kenny Gainwell was out producing them. Kenny Gainwell was the featured guy. How he fell to the fifth round, I have no idea. I don't care. And the Eagles have validated all of us that have remained bullish on Kenny Gainwell. Oh, Kenny Gainwell could be a, a game day inactive. He's a fifth rounder. We said, no, 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 look at the dynasty rankings. He's held firm in the dynasty rankings. You know, right there below Tony Pollard and A.J. Dillon, there's Kenny Gainwell. We just held him firm right there because we knew the talent profile from college. And when you look at his workout metrics, this guy is electric. This guy can thrive in all phases. So I want Kenny Gainwell. I know he's probably rostered like James White. It's like, why are you talking about Gainwell? Why are you talking about James White? Stop talking. They're, they're, of course they're rostered. What leagues are these where they're not rostered? I know. I know. I know. But the data tells me that they're unrostered in more than 50% of fantasy leagues, so I'm compelled to talk about them. And I want to talk about I would be so excited to talk about Kenny Gainwell had he not scored that touchdown. That's the beauty of Larry Roundtree. Larry Roundtree didn't score the touchdown. But what I care about is that this Chargers offensive line could be the best offensive line in the sport. They kept Justin Herbert's jersey clean against one of the most ferocious front sevens in the NFL. 
That's the between the tackles guy you want. You don't want Carlos Hyde, the between the tackles guy in Jacksonville. You want a between the tackles grinder for a prolific offense with one of the best offensive lines. That's how he could score multiple touchdowns in any given week. So I want Larry Roundtree. Larry Roundtree is a player I'm stashing. And don't forget, the starter in Los Angeles is not 100%. He may not be 100% for the rest of the season, based on what Austin Eckler told us when we interviewed him, that his hamstring may never be 100% ever again. Get Larry Roundtree. And by the way, Larry, forgot the D in your last name, man. Roundtree. A round tree. Roundtree. It's easier to say... But it doesn't make any sense, right? Just another Senior Bowl winner, by the way. Antonio Gibson thrived the Senior Bowl. Now he's looking like a top three running back in fantasy. The way things are playing out, getting all the targets over J.D. McKissick in week one. Larry Roundtree impressed a lot of people at the Senior Bowl. Not many people were there, but the few people that were there were like, oh, Larry Roundtree, he's a strong runner. And he's been... Moving his way up the depth chart, he's already supplanted Joshua Kelly. That's a running back to stash. That's the right offense and the right type of back, given the supporting cast and the surrounding forces, that you would look to stash, especially in a deeper league. I know it's too deep for most of you. Like, oh, Gainwell's already owned in these deep leagues. Oh, not helping me. Oh, Larry Roundtree's too fringy. I actually would say there are few leagues where I would consider Larry Roundtree fringy. I want him, in mo- even in a 10-team league, as long as you have a, a deep-ish bench, he's worth a flyer. He's worth a dart. He's going to be scoring some touchdowns this year. Just, just put that one in the bank. There's one more stash for deep leagues. It's Jeremy McNichols. Jeremy McNichols is going to be more active this year because Tennessee is going to be facing more negative game scripts. We have saw it in week one. This is going to be a reality. Poor Derrick Henry, fantasy managers, I'm sorry. This has happened to you. You have the realization that's not going to be a 2,000-yard season for Derrick Henry. And the reason is offensive line play, degradation from year to year. It's a reality of the NFL. And the negative game scripts are going to script him off the field. They're going to have to bring in McNichols for the hurry-up offense. And McNichols is going to soak up three, four, five targets a game moving forward. And the other reason you stash McNichols is that he has the size and the athleticism to be the primary back. And he is the only other back on the roster. It's like Tony Pollard in Dallas. They had to put Darrington Evans on the IR. So the only other running back of consequence behind Derrick Henry is Jeremy McNichols. So you have a few, precious few, proper handcuff backs in the NFL. There's Alexander Madison. He should be rostered. Tony Pollard. He should be rostered. And Jeremy McNichols. You know he would be the primary back, the established primary back, if anything happens to Derrick Henry. There's not that many examples around the league, so you make sure make sure make sure you stash that guy, especially in deep leagues, competitive leagues. I have a lot of McNichols already for that reason, and he proved why in Week One, getting targeted four times, at least as many times as Derrick Henry, if not more, and being more productive than Derrick Henry in the passing game. It just just goes to show. I mean, that that's the list at running back. That that's the list. Just goes to show. Why you need to get your running backs in fantasy football. We beg you, get your running backs in the draft. Don't fall for this zero RB lie that you can just stream running backs. Don't fall for it. It's not right. And don't just wait till the final rounds 
to stash a whole bunch of fringe running backs and hope. Don't do that. This is why. We, we, we just went through a couple players. Next thing you know, we're talking about Mark Ingram, Carlos Hyde, Jermichael Hasty, and Jeremy McNichols. It's not good. It's not deep. Wide receiver's deep. You have Brian Edwards. He's available in a lot of leagues. Not, not in best ball. We have all the Brian Edwards in best ball. <laughs> I can't believe it. The top two priorities for wide receiver this week on the waiver wire are Josh Larkey's highest owned players and the two wide receivers where we were higher than consensus by the greatest differential on the draft kit. The world famous in quotes draft kit is world famous because we were more bullish on Brian Edwards and Christian Kirk than consensus over any other wide receiver. I just, I can't believe that happened. I, I'm so shocked. Again, Josh Larkey and I smoking cigars after week one. And this is one of the reasons that Oh, I got to go to the waiver wire and get Brian Edwards. He was a star at the end of that game on Monday Night Football. He's going to be their alpha when defenses decide, oh, we might need to cover and pay attention to, focus on, take away Darren Waller. Targets will funnel to Brian Edwards. Got to get Brian Edwards in fantasy football. Yeah, well, most of you already have him, so congratulations. He went for 80-plus yards versus Baltimore, one of the best secondaries in the league. Marlon Humphrey, no problem. He caught twice as many passes for twice as many yards as Henry Ruggs. Henry Ruggs stinks. Brian Edwards is the truth. Imagine how good the Raiders would be if they had just drafted Tristan Wirfs over Henry Ruggs, knowing you could get Brian Edwards later. Just just bad, 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 bad. Oh, John Gruden, great play calling. Okay. Well, when your, your player personnel department stinks, your team can only go so far. Sorry, John. So you have Brian Edwards. You have Christian Kirk. Christian Kirk. This all, he gets no respect. He got no respect in fantasy drafts. He was a prolific prospect, and he could be prolific in this offense because the great buried lead in fantasy football this year was that Larry Fitzgerald retired and opened up the slot for Rondale Moore and Christian Kirk, where now they can move around, right? Where Larry Fitzgerald, he had to be posted up in the slot, and it deprived Cliff Kingsbury of flexibility. Not a problem this year, right? He has maximum flexibility where you can move Kirk and Moore around the formation and forget AJ. Just forget AJ Green. Just forget him. He stinks. Six targets, 25 yards. Six targets. It's like four yards a target. Get out of here. He was bad last year, the most inefficient wide receiver in the league, and he's trending in that direction this year. Just get out of here. As they phase out AJ Green, that means you also want Rondale Moore. Most of you have Rondale Moore. He's not available in many leagues, but if he's available, you want Rondale Moore. Duh. Kirk is available in a lot more leagues. So as they phase out A.J. Green, and again, the lead that was buried this offseason was Larry Fitzgerald retired! Christian Kirk was one of the best slot receivers of all time. All time in college. And now he gets the opportunity to play some slot with Rondale Moore. This is a big win for him, and he's on the right team in the right division. An up-tempo, prolific offense. These are the wide receivers to target. Either you want an established alpha, like the number one wide receiver, okay? That's Brian Edwards. That's Zach Pascal. He out-targeted Michael Pittman. He's just a better football player than Michael Pittman. He's the number one in Indianapolis. Just get over it. The beat reporters have been alluding to this all offseason. Quietly, you, you read through, cryptically. You go to the bottom of some article about training camp and 
you could see, oh, Zach Pascal running with the ones. The coaches prefer Pascal. They love Pascal. Pascal is the leader of the wide receiver core. You see all these little things, little blurbs, little nuggets on Zach Pascal, but you're always like, nah, no way. No way. Michael Pittman was drafted in the early second round, and he has size and athleticism. But what he doesn't have is age-adjusted college dominance. That's what Christian Kirk has. That's what Brian Edwards has. And that's what Michael Pittman lacks. Michael Pittman underwhelmed at the Senior Bowl. He underwhelmed every year in college except his senior year. That's a huge red flag. Opening the door to Zach Pascal. Two touchdowns seizing the alpha job. So either you're an alpha in the passing game, whatever it is, whether it's a check down quarterback like Carson Wentz or it's Derek Carr, you want Edwards, you want Pascal. If not the alpha, then you want the upside play in a prolific offense. That's Christian Kirk. That's Marquez Valdez-Scantling. See, Marquez Valdez-Scantling did the thing that we love where he got the targets, the eight targets, but didn't do anything with them. 17 yards. So he's going to be available. No one cares about him. He's widely available in all leagues. That's the guy. See, that's the guy. He's the starter opposite Devontae Adams. He got the snaps and the target share that we were looking for. When Randall Cobb has one target and Marquez Valdez-Scantling 8Xs his targets, Valdez-Scantling 8Xed the number three receiver's targets. That's a big deal. Big deal. And yet no one's talking about him because he didn't produce in week one, didn't score the touchdown. So that's a guy you can easily get. See, that's the thing. That's the thing, right? That's why it's okay if you start three receivers, you don't have to draft three receivers early, right? You can easily pick up a wide receiver like a Zach Pascal or a Christian Kirk, Brian Edwards, who you already have, or, or, or Marquez Valdez Scantling to play in your wide receiver three slot. And that's if Sterling Shepard's not available. Sterling Shepard is shockingly available in a lot of leagues. I don't like him as much because it's the Giants. Then the one thing the Giants have going for them is they're in the right division. You're in the division with Washington. They're in the division with Dallas, Philadelphia. This is good. This is good news, right? And Shepard was awesome in week one. Nine for 113 and one. Normally a guy goes for nine receptions, 113 yards and a touchdown. And you're rushing to get him. And this was a DFS winner, right? A DFS tournament winner at the end of last year, Sterling Shepard. But it is Daniel Jones. It is this Giants offense. I think that Sterling Shepard is going to be the Marvin Jones to Kenny Galladay this year, which is good. It's just not a stat line I want to extrapolate. I like him. I'm trying to get him. But my worry is that there's going to be spending up for that stat line after one week. And I would rather hold my fab back and soak up a, a, you know, Christian Kirk, Zach Pascal, and the best value of all, as I mentioned, Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Van Jefferson broke out, had a bunch of yards, showed off those four three nine wheels, and essentially relegated Deshaun Jackson. So I like Van Jefferson a lot. Again, that's the offense you want to target. Arizona, Los Angeles, Seattle. If you're the number three in one of these prolific offenses where there's going to be a lot of shootouts, you love Van Jefferson. You like Van Jefferson better than a K.J. Hamler, for example, or, or a Tim Patrick. The rush to take the next guy backfilling the injured player is not typically the optimal pickup. 
you usually have to overpay for those guys. So you're going to have to overpay for Hamler and Patrick when it's the Cortland Sutton show and it's the Teddy Bridgewater offense. They want to run the ball and play defense in Denver. This is not a passing game I'm trying to get invested in. I want to be invested in the number two in Green Bay. I want to be invested in the number two in Arizona. I want to be invested in the number three in Los Angeles more than Teddy Bridgewater's fourth or fifth option. No, man. No, I mean, yes. Yes, certainly I'm excited for the possibility that a player like K.J. Hamler who runs a 4-3 is going to be a starter and potentially take screen passes to the house, long touchdown teardrops, but it's it's Teddy Bridgewater. So there's just not going to be that many downfield throws for K.J. Hamler. If anything, it's going to be the Tim Patrick show. Tim Patrick, his skill set is now the best fit for the Teddy Bridgewater offense. So if I'm deciding between Hamler and Patrick, I'm going Patrick, but I'm not excited about either. I'm more trying to trade for Cortland Sutton. Cortland Sutton, Jacoby Myers, Marquez Callaway, these are my top trade targets as opposed to trying to hit on a, a Tim Patrick or a KJ Hamler when they also have two tight ends. Albert O is there as well as Noah Fant. Both Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams are quality receivers out of the backfield. Just, where do you think the target's going to come from? Eh, eh. Don't overspend on those guys. If you want a injury backfill player, I would point you to Cedric Wilson. Cedric Wilson was a productive college player, has hung around that depth chart, seized the number four job over Noah Brown, and now he's the number three, and they run a lot of three-receiver sets in Dallas. And even when they put two, two tight ends on the field or they bring in Tony Pollard to play the slot, sometimes they take Amari Cooper off the field and give him a rest, or sometimes they, they rest Lamb. And you see, oh, wait, Wilson's out there? Wilson's out there opposite Cooper? Yeah, it happens. Watch it happen. So the number three receiver in Dallas gets a lot of run, period. And Dallas could set the record for points scored. It's going to be a lot easier because it's an extra week, right? But they could. They could. Given what Dallas was able to do against Tampa, what do you think they're going to do against all the rest of these NFL defenses that are inferior to the Tampa defense? It's going to be a laser light show, and Cedric Wilson's going to be a big part of that. So the best values on the waiver wire this week, Cedric Wilson and uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling. At tight end, three guys. Tyler Conklin, he is explosive, so he has size, athleticism, and he's the featured tight end in that passing game. It was not Chris Herndon. Chris Herndon sucks. Tyler Conklin's actually good. He just didn't go to Miami. If Tyler Conklin went to Miami, everyone would love him, but he didn't. Right? He went to Central Michigan. or so. I don't know where he went. Somewhere. Somewhere not mainstream. So Tyler Conklin's on every waiver wire. Soak him up. Get him. He could easily be the tight end eight this year. It's just the easiest thing to imagine. Same with David Njoku. David Njoku outplayed Austin Hooper on a team that has very few impactful wide receivers. I mean, it's Odell Beckham and then who? Anthony Schwartz deep? Jarvis Landry shallow? Maybe. Donovan Peoples-Jones, can he put it together? This is not exciting. David Njoku is actually exciting. I'm a truther for David Njoku. I've been a truther for Christian Kirk. It's been a great week, man. It's been a great week truthering for Christian Kirk and David Njoku. Hit, hit. David Njoku has a higher ceiling than Tyler Conklin, but if you need production in week two, I trust Tyler Conklin more because he doesn't have Austin Hooper competing with him on the other side of the formation for targets. But Dalton Schultz has the most upside because, again, 
Again, where are you focusing your attention? Where are the pieces of your fantasy team? What NFL teams are they connected to, right? You want to be connected to the Cowboys offense. You want to plug into that Cowboys offense. And Dalton Schultz, six for six. One of the most efficient tight ends in the league. And Blake Jarwin may be phased out at some point. Now, he won't be because Michael Gallup was hurt. So there's going to be even more 12 personnel, which means even more Dalton Schultz. But he's the clear number one tight end over Blake Jarwin. That news has been slow to reach the fantasy football community. So take advantage. Finally, quarterback, super flex, 2QB, Taylor Henneke. I know. I know. Everyone knows. Everybody's trying to get him in super flex. You're not breaking any news here i know i'm just telling you when your fab bids come up go get hinnicky go get him go get him remember remember the chargers defense per austin eckler packed with werewolves so forget that week one game he wasn't prepared he was thrown in there thrust into a a den of werewolves he's a full-blown konami qb and he went over 300 yards against tampa throwing and went for 50 yards in a touchdown rushing in the playoffs last year So this is a guy I'm going to be playing. I'm going to be starting me some Taylor Henneke. I can't believe it. I'm so excited. I mean, I already have him stashed in most 2QB. And If you're in a patron league with me, patreon.com forward slash podfather. You're in one of these patron dynasty leagues. They're all 2QB. You look at my taxi squad. Time and time again, who are you going to see? Taylor Henneke. Because, I mean, the confidence in Ryan Fitzpatrick was just bizarre, right? And I, I have a memory. I can remember. Oh, I remember that playoff game. Am I the only one that remembers? So I'll be playing some Taylor Henneke and 2QB and Superflex. Starting him with confidence this season. Watch it happen. Why this voice? Where's it come from? No one knows. Stupid.